be honest, between you and me, I think I should stop starting this podcast with some sort of movie boys proclamation. Have we now 42 episodes in run out of run out of steam <laughs> on that joke? I keep it keeps getting to a minute before we're about to record. And then the word movie boys is in my head a lot, like Sherlock's brain palace from <laughs> the Sherlock TV series. And unlike the brain palace, where he comes to conclusions and deductions and works it out, I don't. And then I just, I just have the word movie boys in my head. If, you, if you're new to the show... And we've already established that anyone listening to any given <laughs> episode is brand new because no one comes back. Um, I like to start the episodes usually with a quote from the movie we're going to talk about, but I've replaced um, you know words in the sent in the quote with movie boys, which is what I was going to call the podcast, but but that was a bad idea for a podcast name. I thought until I found out another podcast took the name and did it. Um, maybe before us I don't want to just say took the name I don't want to be sued for libel again but um, I'm just saying that do you say 42 42 episodes in yeah right like that number that they like in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Gap that was 42 wasn't it yes it was yeah so this is the Hitchhiker's Guide special (laughs) and you're all very very welcome I think the problem with the the movie boys joke is that you have to have a movie that's quotable. That's true. That's true. I mean, when I was in my brain palace, I was just trying to think of literally any vampire film that had a quote. Uh, But I'm just not a quick enough thinker for it. I just can't do it. I, I can't do it. How are you? Oh, and I see, now I'm thinking of John Carpenter's Padre, or John Carpenter's Vampires, and the, the, the closing lines of that, where, you know, they're making a, an, a, an erection joke, you know. So it's oh, good you to were, have. When you were stabbing that vampire, Padre, did you get a little movie, boys? There we go. All right, you've got it. Yeah. Less than three minutes in as well, so, <laughs> so we're winning. Uh, welcome to the Spin-Off Doctors. I'm your host, Jim Sterling. I'm joined by Conrad Zimmerman. Hello, Conrad. Hello, Jim. All right. You alright? Yeah, I'm good. I'm yes, good. Going okay? Yeah, right. I, I watched Blood Rain 2. Yeah, that that's unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, I yeah, I think and like it's probably worth noting that there has been some time that's passed since I watched the movie. Yeah, so yeah, I, we had uh, internet problems when we tried to record it immediately after watching it. Right. And so now with the distance and the ability to forget a lot. <laughs> I, 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 my memory tells me that it is kind of fun. Right? That's the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. You think it is better than it is. Like, this is... I, I've watched Blood Rain 2 Deliverance twice now. And when I started watching it the second time, I thought, well, I remember this was quite fun. It's got Zach Ward in it. It's got um, the other it's one. It's a who's who. It's a who's who of ball films. Yeah, yeah, like all the bold boys are back together again at last. Hooray. Uh, Bre- Bre- Brendan Fletcher. Oh. Uh, but it is a very boring film. But because in your mind, you think of Zach Ward as Billy the Kid doing an accent that's never been associated with Billy the Kid before. 
in your mind retrospectively with with time you think it's fun and 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 it's not a fun film it's a very boring film it made is. all the worse by the fact that vampire wild west movie ain't a bad premise no it's a great premise it's a it's a really underutilized premise. Well, I mentioned John Carpenter's Vampires. I classify yeah. that in sort of a Western meets vampire story. It's a it's a little you know modernized certainly, uh, yeah. but it has a lot of that same sort of tone. What it doesn't have is the Western <laughs> pacing. Yes, and that's what Blood Rain Deliverance really manages to pull off. They nail the pacing of a of a, of a spaghetti Western. Which is to say, kind of fucking boring. Yeah, like a really old one. Not not like Quick and the Dead. No. Not, not like a modern one. Not a Maverick. Um, no. You see, I like... I I tend to not be fond of a lot of old things from back in the old days. But I like a lot of old structure, old ideas that have been updated in some way. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not a listener of swing music, but when that electro swing thing happened... Yeah, that's good stuff there. Um, Westerns. Uh, not a watcher of old Westerns. Your John Wayne era. Yeah, like all, all the classics. But modernised, revamped, interesting versions. I will watch because I really like the tropes associated. I just don't like the the pieces from the period they originated. Same with musicals. It's got to have a twist to it. Um, you know, I won't watch My Fair Lady, but I've got all the time in the world for Little Shop of Horrors. See, I'll watch My Fair Lady. I will watch My Fair Lady. Rex Harrison as, as, uh, Professor, uh, oh, what's his name? Not important. That, no, I'm sorry. That, that Hepburn, Rex Harrison, My Fair Lady is, Uh, is gold. It's gold. Take the G off. (laughs) You just said a lot of old stuff. Oh, it's, oh. it's, I mean, you know, now, now set aside the sort of rampant misogyny in it. There you go. That's the problem. <laughs> that, that, that is, the is problem. why I hate my fair lady. I'm not seeing it. And, and I've only heard, <laughs> I've only heard about rampant misogyny from Conrad just now. But that is why I hate all old musicals. It's not that I'm uncultured, and it's not like I just don't like watching things that don't have explosions or killings or giant plants in them. But it is definitely because all old musicals and old westerns are all misogynistic. (laughs) Deeply. That is my problem with it, and that is why I'm a good human being. Yeah, so this and so put in the hands of Bull, the <laughs> the Western. Uh, I mean, it achieves boring. He manages to do that. Oh yeah, he can elevate this movie to boring. Yeah, but it is quite the quite the elevation. It is. It is. He works and, hard to get it boring. And and there are there are points in it. Like again, we we know Bull is a lover of movies. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he he can't get enough of them. He watches at least three a day. He's he's well. He's clearly in. You know, he loves he loves them, and I respect that. And he's not able to execute on his love, but he has ideas that are good. That just or, or surprising or interesting that just don't work because in general, he's not a very good filmmaker. He's not very good. Okay, he's not a good filmmaker. He's he's um, he's not good. <laughs> he's not a passable 
director. I'll take it. It's, it's, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll accept that. I'll I'll enter that into the record. <laughs> yeah, it's <clears throat> so there are like many of the bull films that we've watched. There are moments of uh, the barest glimpse of brilliance. And 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 concepts that in the hand of a of of, of a good director could have been really interesting, or yeah, at least yeah. fun. Like Vampire Old Old West, it's it's not the most unique idea, but it is definitely uh, untapped potential. There's still a, a lot more that could be done there. Well, and this movie very, very nearly almost has an idea. I won't say it's very nearly almost like a good vampire old west film because it's it's nowhere near that but on paper it's yeah. very nearly almost a a watchable vampire movie with with cowboys god damn you're it's such a good idea it why is, is it not yeah. done more you'll notice we've not mentioned the video game blood rain or the character rain at all um for the the opening of this and it's because what would be the point well, it's, yeah, I mean, in the first one, at least, it was the first one, and we could talk about Blood Rain as a game, and and it was kind of novel that they were starting the story in the, uh, you know, high, you know, or I guess Dark Ages, or, or were they post-Renaissance? Hard the olden days. Yeah, that was kind of interesting in Europe, the European castles and all it that. It was about the time they were making My Fair Lady. <laughs> But the, uh, then you get the, this one, and it, it, it is, it's, it's set in the West, and there's no relationship whatsoever to Blood Rain that you can draw there. No. No. Basically, uh, Rain is in it. She is the star of it, but she's a cowboy now, and I think in one scene, maybe, she has one of her, you know, swippity-swippity arm knife things. Um, but for the most part, it's just cowboy stuff and some vampires. And that's about it. It's Any relation it might have had to the game is, is gone. Yeah. Um, this is Bowl doing what Bowl does, which is he'll get the, the cheap rights to a, a recognisable name and then just make whatever the fuck he wants. You know, he, he is only tied to the source material in the loosest of fashions. In that he has to name a character after someone in the games. And even then, I bet he does so grudgingly. Yeah, I get the sense he wanted to do a Western. And yeah. he had this. And I think that's it, yeah. Yeah. And I again, you know, he got all his friends to The Good, the Bad, get... and the Ugly the night before. I, I feel like these people probably had a really good time making this. Is the other thing. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's there's nobody in here who's a big name who is going to, you know, like, oh, fuck this. This is awful. Nobody yeah. phones it in. Everyone gives 100% of performances. Yeah. Like, they're all performing. There's yeah. no Ben Kingsley on set here um, doing what he did in the first Blood Rain. They're all either hamming it up or putting in a, a, a decent performance as the role dictates. Um but because this is Uwe Boll and he's got a knack for taking even very talented uh, actors and making them boring and unwatchable. Um, I mean, considering what he managed to do to Ron Perlman of all fucking people. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much fun people are having and it doesn't matter how hard they try and chew the scenery. 
they're still not very entertaining. They're, they're good at what they're doing. It's just there's something about that bowl magic that makes even Zach Ward as Billy the Kid with an accent that's never been associated with Billy the Kid. Just not all that fun. Nowhere near as fun as it should be. I wanted to say that Zach Ward disappeared into that role. I did. Like, at the first appearance, once I realized who he was. Yeah. Because very early in the film, you see him and it's, uh, you don't get a clear look at him, necessarily. You don't, no. And the face, yeah, and, and that hair is pretty different for him. I didn't notice it was him until after that first scene and I saw him in the second one. I was like, oh shit, that's Zach Ward. It's an unusual character for him, very sort of downplayed and creepy. Yeah. It's not really over the top and there's not a lot of him being anything other than a sort of quiet, smug snake, really. Yeah, yeah, languishing around, yeah. He's got that down. And it's it's interesting. It's an interesting performance. It's an interesting take on both the character of a vampire and Billy the Kid. Yeah. But, but um... It, Again, it, it, like, like with most things that, that Ball does, it's... it's it's almost competent. Well, and it's, but that accent he does is so comical. I was like, oh wait, no, sorry. Yeah, this is a, this is like a. What? I don't a even B know actor. what it is. <laughs> I don't even know what he's trying to do. Like, is it Eastern European? Is it? I I, I don't know. I it, it it could be Eastern European. Yeah, like it's, it's they're got, trying to draw on the Romanian vampire myth, but... Yeah, yeah, I think that would probably be closer, like some sort of uh, Romanian-style accent. But he, he is supposed to be Billy the Kid. Yes. And that is odd. That is that odd. Is, that is... It's not odd in an this-is-an-interesting-take-on-a-character way. I think because Billy the Kid was a vampire this whole time is the interesting take on the Billy the Kid legend, to then add in High Valerian accenting is just a little shade too far. It's like, pick one. Either he's Billy the Kid or he is, you know, some secret, uh, you know, ancient Romanian vampire that's come to the Wild West. Yeah, yeah. Doing and that's both, the that's interesting a... offset. Both is a bit much. Exactly. Right. It's like one it or the other. It, it could have been Vampire in Brooklyn. Have you seen Vampire in Brooklyn? No. It's Eddie Murphy. I know of it. I know of Eddie it. Murphy. It's, it, it could have been that. It could have been that fish out of water type deal. And, and, and then that accent would have been perfect. Yep. It would have worked. Because then it's like, oh, there's a contrast. There's this, like, ancient traditional vampire in a Wild West setting. That's interesting. Also interesting is there's Rootin' Tootin' Billy the Kid as we know him in pop culture. Also, Lost he's Boys. a vampire. A Lost Boys Western. Yeah, one or, one or the other. But instead, they go for this. It's Billy the Kid, but he's not <laughs> at all like Billy the Kid. He's more like some antediluvian fucking vampire. And, 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 and therefore... It's incredibly watered down, and we get something that's neither, which is Uwe Boll. I mean, that, that's, his, that's where he lives, is the, this is something that's neither of the things it's trying to be. <laughs> that, that's Uwe Boll. 
and and in that regard, Billy the Kid, as seen through the lens of Blood Rain Two Deliverance, is quite possibly the perfect summation of Uwe Boll's career. Something that just should have been simple and hard to fuck up, and yet somehow got fucked up because Uwe Boll didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, that's a that is a fantastic analogy. Just Billy, Billy the Kid. In the Blood Rain 2 Deliverance. Fucking hell, that name. Blood Rain 2. It just... Ugh. Deliverance. <sighs> I wonder how many movies and games and books have had Deliverance after the colon. Uh, well, it's, it's... You know, Deliverance made such a dramatic mark on the American film landscape. Yeah. And glo- So I, I'm sure there's a ton... But it's it's lame. It's real. The whole thing's lame. We should just talk about it. We should just <laughs> yeah, go over let's, it. Let's get going then. Blood Rain Two, Deliverance. Our credits are presented over photos that tell a story that starts at a European castle, then takes us on boats to the New World, and then the wild, untamed west of America, and lots of trains. Yeah, there is a... It it tries very hard at the beginning to make absolutely sure everyone's on board with the premise here. Well, and and the specific, you know, attention paid to the trains, because the train, the Transcontinental Railroad, is an integral plot element of Blood Rain 2 Deliverance. So they're... It's also integral to letting the audience know that Uwebol has read a book. (laughs) But they're, it's really driving, it's heavy-handedly driving this home that yes. trains are important, and this is really all about the train. Um, a pudgy greenhorn named Piles excitedly wanders into a crappy town called Deliverance. Now, I, right before you see this scene of him walking in, you get this beautiful pan shot, right? Fixed camera panning across a, a a beautiful plain with mountains in the background, and it is fucking gorgeous. And I'm, right. I'm pretty sure it's stock footage. <laughs> because it cut to the seed of the character arriving in Deliverance, and it's a handheld cam. It's blurry. Yeah. It's yeah. grimy. The, the town itself does look like it was built by, like, art students for a college project. Yeah. You know, it's, it, like they're it, not the worst sets I've ever seen, but it doesn't look authentic. In in some of those uh, western towns, you know, cause I, I, I grew up in the American Southwest, and, and this is not the American Southwest. This is the American Northwest. This is set in Montana. A bold I, artistic choice. Yeah, that is interesting. Um and and it's certainly not unheard of. Uh, Ravenous is kind of around that time and kind of a mountain tale. Like there's there's definitely a place for it, so that, that's fine. But y- y- you're right. It it looks like a set designer just out of college was told to build this sort of mountain yeah. town set. Or, or or if you want to be more generous, like like. Families come here at the weekends. 
yeah. for like like you know pretend western fun times. Well, now there is actually a um, a place not far from where I grew up uh, called Rawhide. Um, That's the original <laughs> name for it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, and and as you draw, as you walk in, they have speakers pumping in the song from the show Rawhide. <laughs> Brilliant. And it, but it's got Just a, in case anyone was lost on the association. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yep, it's right there. And it's and it's just it's got a main street and they you know, and it is exactly what you're imagining. You can go on a hayride and mm-hmm. there's, you know, a fake jail that you could get photos taken in and gift shops and there's a, a, a decent restaurant there. And this is what deliverance from Blood Rain Two Deliverance looks like. No, actually. That looks a whole lot better. Oh, Deliverance looks better. No, Rawhide. Rawhide. Okay. Rawhide looks a whole lot better. Um, Now, Rawhide Rawhide looks like what you would see in a in a pretty standard uh, Western film. And and Old Tucson Studios, which is about an hour and a half outside of Phoenix, um, maybe two hours. They they used to shoot all the westerns there. Like tons and tons of westerns were shot at Old Tucson Studios, and now it is uh, a park. And, and, you know, like a historical thing. So they have a main street there that's fucking awesome. It looks great. And still has some of that cheese stuff inside. But outside, it's amazing. Uh, this does not look like that. This looks more like a ghost town. Like they may have gone and found an old Montana mining town that was abandoned and shot there. Yeah, or something yeah. of that ilk. That's what it looks like. It, it, it's I mean, it certainly decrepit. doesn't look like they're there on a, you know, a high budget or, or even decent budget cowboy town set. No. And, and even compared to something like, you know, Dungeon Siege and the other shit he's done, it feels more, uh, what's the word? Con- constrained, constricted. It, it, it's a lot smaller. Well, and it's it, like they it didn't is. have it's, a lot to work with with this town. It feels compact. Its main street feels very narrow, and that's mm-hmm. probably closer to reality. You know, it, it is closer to reality in a lot of these places that those streets were not like these huge, wide expanses that are like four lanes of traffic in modern. Sure, sure. But there's, there's a reason why in movies they they do look bigger and more impressive and more interesting. Right. So uh, yeah, I. Points for realism? I mean, if realism lo- is they found somewhere that was already built and filmed. Yeah. Uh, so this pudgy greenhorn... This is all speculation, by the way. Yeah, no idea. I don't know or care. There are, there are no notes, no production notes for this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look at the DVD extras. So this, uh, this pudgy greenhorn named Piles uh, excitedly yeah. wanders into this crappy town called Deliverance. He's seemingly a writer of some kind, uh, as we're introduced to him here, and he's meeting with the mayor, and he's disappointed to learn that this town, which is poised to be a major hub once the railroad arrives, which is, like, in a few days, um, it, it, but it's not some crazy Wild West town full of, like, adventure stories that he could take back for his newspaper. Yes. He's looking for the big hot scoop. And so he just decided to go to a random mountain town. <laughs> Cut to a with family. No known reports of trouble. <laughs> <coughs> well, I mean, there's a, certainly a story to be had in the finishing of the Transcontinental Railroad. 
Yeah, but it wasn't the story he was there for. I get, yeah. Uh, th- yeah. So we go to a family finishing dinner. And Dad's troubled because there's still snow, and so they can't plant their crops yet. And, like, th- this scene goes on a long time. Mm-hmm. And they're they're building up. And this is the this is bolsing. I've seen someone do this in a movie once. This is misdirection. But we're not really given any reason to care about these characters. We're just given mm-hmm. a few minor details about how difficult their lives are. I mean, to be fair, we're not really given much of a reason to care about Blood Rain, uh, the, the 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 character of Blood Rain. But well, we're also yeah. not going to see her for fourteen minutes of film. That's true. It takes a while. So he. We get this little scene, but then 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 it's the other oh, scary noises outside. People are gonna start dying one by one. Uh, thing going on, and sure enough, there is a noise. And the dad grabs his gun and goes outside. He thinks it's a bear, but then there are whooshing noises outside. Oh fuck! All these whooshing noises, and the the family becomes unsettled. So the wife wanders out after him, and now it's just the two kids. And there's more whooshing, so they hide under the bed. And then someone comes in and sits on the bed for a bit just to freak the kids out, seemingly. Because he then goes and moves to a chair and chills out there and asks well, the Well, evil is petty. That's, that's the thing. That's, yeah. It's all about doing little dick moves. <laughs> I watch Paranormal Activity. That is what most of that film is. So he asks if the children are sad because their, you know, parents are gone. And a couple more guys come in and grab the kids. And, and we see... We get a, a, a shot of the the speaker, and they are a very well-dressed vampire. So there you go. There we go. Uh, we get a scene of Piles observing the construction of the rail station, and uh, a couple people come into town, and then it's night again. <laughs> Pacing has never been one of Paul's strongest elements. Uh, the sheriff is at the saloon which is being closed up for the night by a very nice interracial couple. And so the sheriff leaves. And uh, Piles is on the street talking with the mayor, saying he's going to have to leave town unless something interesting happens soon. And sure enough, oh, right tells then... tells me he's going to get more than what he bargained for. Right then, in the saloon, the cowboy vampires strike again. Yeah, take, the movie could have started at this point. Yeah, they, they take the children... And, and other people of the town into the streets. And the sheriff confronts their fancy pants leader, who, after taking a few bullets to the chest, then bites the sheriff on the throat. Yeah. This is Zach Ward, mm-hmm. by the way. You'll know him as the bully from A Christmas Story, or if you've uh, watched this, listened to this before, which you haven't. Uh, he was the main star of Postal, another classic overball disaster. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the the mayor tries work. the mayor tries to step to this, oh, and yeah. and the vampire hypnotizes him with a stare. So we're basically we're establishing all of the vampire powers here, mm-hmm. right? And so the mayor offers his residence for him to live in, and then Piles, the pudgy reporter guy, comes and introduces himself, and the vampire encourages him to come along and tell his story. So uh, that's that's what we got. This this was like 12, 13 minutes uh, yeah. of stuff. And like I said, the movie could have started here. Like yeah. It establishes everything you need to know. A railways are coming. Uh, a guy wants to write a story. And here are vampires. 
Sometime later, Rain rides a horse somewhere. Movie also could have started from here. And then she could have just gone to the town and then it's like, oh, something's not right in this town. Oh, it's vampires. This movie could have started, at, I think, any scene. Well, I think... Including the final one. This one, it, it, she wouldn't necessarily... She, she wouldn't uh, be arriving in town because she's got to get her motivation first. See, um, we know she's the hero because she's riding in slow motion. That's true. That's true. I was concerned until I, I worked out that, that classic movie play. Uh, and she arrives at the home of the family that was attacked earlier, that, that sort of foursome and, mm-hmm. and the sad kids, and finds she's, she's calling out names, so she knows them, and she eventually finds the bodies of the parents. So she, uh, that's, this is her, that, that first scene was important because it was needed to establish that she had a motivation to go and... Oh, yeah, and, yeah, it's not enough that she's already a vampire hunter in a scene. Right, exactly. Yeah, you, it, it is a secret organization that hunts vampires. Dying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. Uh, so some dude just, like, comes up behind her and startles her and then helpfully tells her that the children were taken by Billy the Kid, who is some kind of monster. <laughs> he then gives her a newspaper with a story about the family disappearing. So how much time has passed? I've... I still like to think this is the next day. Where was that newspaper printed? I like to think this is the next day. And uh, <laughs> even though they know about the missing stuff, that no one came to look for the bodies. <laughs> no one came by the house. Yes. They, they cared enough to report it in the newspaper, but not enough to just have a poke around where they were last seen. <laughs> I'm sure someone will come along to avenge him. So said guy tries to, or offers to come along to uh, help Rain, but his fly is open. So (laughs) so he can't. Yeah. Arriving in deliverance, Rain crosses paths with the now vampiric sheriff, who sends her onto the saloon and warns her not to cause trouble. Uh, and when she's in there, oh God, this seed, this salute seed. Can, can we talk about this salute seed for oh, a second? Sure, sure. Uh, now, in this in this scene, Uverbol demonstrates that he has seen saloon scenes parodied in media before. I don't know if he's seen actual saloon scenes, but he has seen very stereotypical, like. The kind of saloon scene you're all imagining right now with your piano and your people playing cards at a round table and everything and the person ordering and getting, like, like shit eyes from people. Like, we've all seen that thing parodied, even if we've never seen a genuine, authentic Old West movie bar scene. And that, I think, is, is what we're seeing here, is we're seeing someone paying homage to the... To the parody. Yeah. (laughs) To the parody, not the the thing. In the saloon, a man named Flintlock Hogan is telling a story about killing a guy. Flintlock Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, and it's it's worth noting, like, names. Talk about names for a second. 
this movie does not do names well. And it's not just that Flintlock Hogan is a stupid fucking name, but it makes it a point that you know Flintlock Hogan's name. Yeah. Well, otherwise, how would you know that this is set in the Old West if he wasn't called an old gun? But there are a lot of characters for which we don't get names for a very long time, well after the point where, like, it shouldn't matter to us anymore what their name is. That's true. I mean, to the point where even looking back, like, the mayor is the mayor, the reporter's the reporter. Yeah, I remember the reporter's piles. Um, the and, and, and there is a narrative reason for doing this, is the worst part. And, 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 and we'll get there, because I don't want to spoil this fucking movie. But just pay attention to names. Because it doesn't make... It, it's, he's trying to be smart, and he's not. He's That's not always smart. a worry with Uwe Ball. When, when, when he has an idea that he thinks will make him look clever. So Rain shows up in the saloon, and Flintlock Hogan sexually assaults her a bit. So she pins him to the floor with a stool before agreeing to play poker with him and his friends. <laughs> Yeah. She she wins the hand with four aces. <laughs> she, she, she's just that good at cards. And Hogan accuses her of cheating. I so, would. So they go outside for a showdown. <laughs> the only thing that's missing is someone having been dragged across a bar. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Everything else they hit there. I think uh, that and the piano player, like, slowly stopping. Or, it's, it's, or that sudden stop. The yeah. Like, yeah. one of those two. That and someone being dragged across the bar, knocking all the glasses. Um, if we'd have had those, it would have been the perfect, imperfect Wild West bar scene. So they go outside for their showdown, and the mayor tries to warn Rain that Day's vampires. But she's pretty confident that this is going to be okay. And after a very, very tediously long stare down, Rain puts two in Hogan, and he turns black and dies, which Rain attributes to an allergic reaction to lead, holy water, and garlic. Oh, she probably knows he's a vampire. Mm. Fuck. By the way, we're blazing through this story pretty quickly, and it's only because the the actual events that happen are few and far between, and getting dragged out when they're occurring. That's yeah. it. Like, like we are not really doing justice to how long and dragged out this film is because there's a lot of nothing happens. And then something happens. So if we're just going down the bullet points and hitting on the things that happen, it's going to seem like this is quite a snappy movie. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't be fooled. trust me, it isn't. This is, this is still an hour and 40 minutes with credits. Yeah. Like sometimes some of our shorter uh, summaries are for the longer movies <laughs> because nothing's happening. <laughs> They're just going on for ages of establishing shots and attempts at, at building tension, none of which are working. So a couple of Flintlock's buddies draw on her, and she takes them down too, before the sheriff intervenes 
and decides that they're going to hang her at high midnight. <laughs> yeah. So Piles goes to visit Rain in her cell, seeking an interview. But she's the one asking the questions. Uh, she, she turned it round, so now it's an interview with a vampire. Well, Piles isn't a vampire. He's the... Oh, yeah, I forgot he was... Uh... The journalist. They've left him yeah, alone she, for whatever Rain reason. Is, Rain is, is the vampire. Well, technically half vampire. Yeah. yeah it's a... And then, yeah, but Piles isn't a vampire. Piles is so not a vampire. I, I could have I banked interview with a vampire for another point. Oh. But, but I spent it. Because I forgot that it was Piles the Reporter talking to Rain. Yeah. Neither of which are technically vampires, because he isn't one at all, and she's a dampier. Yes. So, 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 from Piles, she confirms that Billy the Kid is running deliverance and kidnapping children. Billy the Kidnapping Children. Hey-oh. And then a guy from another cell says Billy's building an army and threatens Piles. And that's when she notices he has a pendant like hers, meaning she's a me- meaning he's a member of Brins- Brimstone. Brimstone is the vampire hunting organization introduced in the last film, and he introduces himself as Muller. Uh, is Brendan Fletcher? This is Brendan Fletcher, uh, who has appeared in other Overball films. He I, was in. Hmm? I like him a lot. I, I like do. him. He's, he's 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 far more talented to be someone who. Seems to be part of that bowl fraternity. <laughs> well, and I, and I brought this up before. He uh, was in Freddy vs. Jason. He was uh, in with Freddy Zach vs. Ward. Jason. Yeah, um, yeah. My other half actually was watching Freddy vs. Jason the other day, mm. uh, so it was good to see Brendan get his ass out, which he does in that mm-hmm. film. He gets his ass out, and there are monkey noises, and he slaps his ass against the window, uh, and he's a wacky character. Um, great, great actor. Uh, PhD. Um, not all that entertaining to look at on Twitter because he just talks about medical stuff. But he has appeared in several bold films, starred in, in Rampage, uh, considered one of the, well, possibly the only film Overbold has done that some people contest might be a bit good. I'm one of those people. Now, he says he's been tracking Billy the Kid for a while as he's the strongest vampire he's ever seen, and he seemingly doesn't need to feed to heal his wounds. Uh, we also learned he's got about 30 vampire cowboys working for him here. Now, Muller had a partner who went for help, but his head came back in a mailbag. Well, that's not very helpful. So, Muller thinks Billy the Kid's plan is to turn Deliverance into a vampire factory, once the transcontinental rail is connected, allowing him to conquer the West and probably all of North America. Uh, the vampire who has the train is the winner. It's a classic vampire scenario. And the children are, are being kidnapped to serve as food in the interim time while they wait for the, the train station to be completed. Um, now, the saloon keeper arrives in this... S- cell, prison, jail thing, huskal, to let them know that the, uh, the gallows are set up. And he offers some whiskey and lets Raid know that he has her knives. So that's where her weapons are. That's where she'll be getting them later. <laughs> uh, they, they talk... They really should just look at the audience when they say this. 
<laughs> you should just look at the audience and say, right, Rain's weapons are here. That's where she's going to go get them. Don't worry about it, folks. They talk for a little bit about how fucked they are, and uh, Piles shows himself to be a cowardly observer uh, who's just not going to get And he doesn't... He tries to use the justification of, well, I'm the reporter, I'm not supposed to get involved, which is a perfectly valid thing to say. But then he says it in a manner that's like, I'm being cowardly when I say it, and I know that I'm, you know, weak. Yeah. The hero of this movie is Piles, is what I'm getting at. This is establishing (laughs) his character arc. He's the only one with one. Yeah, he is the only one who gets development of any stripe. Yeah. Range sure as shit doesn't get it. She is, she's like Mad Max at this point. Yes. Her role in this story is to just roll up to a new place and time and be involved in someone else's plot threads. Which ain't a bad idea. No. I mean, maybe maybe it doesn't work for something so specific as a vampire hunter. And something that is quite literally based on an established character that people have paid to see. Well, he gets to the Nazis next time. He does. It takes three films, but, but I mean, maybe he was saving it because third movie, Third Reich. Oh. It's called the Third Reich. Um. So maybe he was going for a Black Adder the Third, Black Adder Goes Fourth kind of thing. That's a, so this was a long-term strategy that he had. Yeah. Yeah, it was always his vision to do a trilogy and end it with with the Third Reich purely because of that that numbering naming convention. So deliverance of course <laughs> is the Latin word for two. So some cowboys come and they take Muller to test the gallows. And then we get a scene with Billy the kid hanging out with a bunch of the kidnapped kids doing an eeny meeny miny mo. Uh, to select one, and then... Oh, he's a bad one. He's a bad man. And, and he feeds on it, and he makes the other children watch. And that, pretty you know... Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good little seed. It's too long, like everything yeah. else. It goes on for a long time. Conrad just described the events that happened, but imagine those events bookended by just nothing. Just lots of staring. Uh, yeah. Um, so as Muller is taken to the noose, uh, he's hung. I mean, he's just hung. And Rain watches from the window of her cell. Like, she does not rescue him. This well th- hung. And, and this is, you know, one of those uh, left turn things that, that I think Bull thought he was being clever. Like, we're going to introduce this secondary character and we're going to lead the audience to think that the two of them are going to team up. Because yeah, that's it. oh shit's gonna go down. Right. And then nope, I'm just gonna kill him and they're gonna be surprised. And yeah, I, I am kind of a bit surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was dismally surprised. <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh, I wasn't expecting the film to make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh Rain's then brought out for her turn. Um while the mayor questions the sheriff as to why he's required to be present for this distasteful scenario. <laughs> so the mayor's a bit of a worm. Uh, and the sheriff has the mayor read the crimes for which Rain is being sentenced. 
as Billy shows up with one of the kids, just one, one specific kid, and out of all of the kids he's kidnapped, he pulls one of the ones, one of the two, that Rain might know. And... Because otherwise we wouldn't care. Yeah. Because it's not enough motivation to rescue a kid from an evil vampire. There's got to be a personal stake for Rain. Well, we saw what she did with the guy who just got hanged. Yeah. She didn't know him. She j- I mean, Fuck she just him. met him. Fuck it. Fuck that. Never dude. mind that they're both part of the same secret order. Yeah, she didn't know him. Like if it if it was fucking John from accounts, absolutely she would risk her neck to help him. But I didn't know this one. Fuck it. He gets hanged. <laughs> oh shit! I know that kid. All right, all right. I'm invested now. All right, hold on. I'm gonna get out of this. I was just gonna hang to my own death, but but I know that kid. Uh, so the the kid also recognizes her, and Billy, the kid, takes note of that. Yeah, Billy's a different kid from the other kid. So she suddenly pulls the cuffs off of her wrist and then flips herself up just as the trapdoor is pulled from under her and soon frees herself from the yeah. noose. Like I said, she was perfectly fine with hanging until she saw a child she might know. Yep. And then the saloon keeper tosses Rain her knives. See, told you, that's where they were. And... Yeah. She kills the sheriff before making her go- making good her escape into a nearby stream. So she got away. Yeah, she jumps in water, and vampires famously hate it. Well, they can't. Yeah, the, the, the vampire legends—they can't cross running water. Yeah, this water isn't so much running, but oh yeah, yeah. It, it looked it looked like a horrible stagnant swamp. <laughs> That they made some poor extra dressed up like the actress playing Rain jump in. That's all I was thinking of this whole time. I was like, someone had to get in that. Yeah, it looked like a brackish pond. It didn't yeah. look good. No. Um, so the vampire cowboys go in search of Rain, and one of the locals uh, steals off with a burning stick. Now, I think this is the same guy that told Rain about the the things going on in Deliverance, I think. But everyone's sort of so poorly lit, and you don't get—you didn't get to spend enough time with him to make him memorable. No, I—I I think it is supposed to be the same guy. Or I—I th- I mean, I think it is the same guy. But and and I say that I mean, only because I know how the movie ends now. Yeah, I mean, it honestly does, like at this point she was meeting people, and I'm like, I don't know who, or care who this is. Yeah, she's she's assembling some. What is this crack team of vampire hunters that consists of not that many people and not all of them all that interesting? So but this uh, this other guy shows up and he like sets fire to the railway station. And take that progress. Uh, the the salute keeper gets killed for his interference in all of this by uh, Billy the Kid, and and Rain emerges eventually on a bank, met by that guy who started the fire. Uh, and and he suggests that he might have slowed things down for Billy a little bit on the basis of the railway station being destroyed because, you know, his whole plan hinges on the railway station. I mean, he's he's destroyed a fundamental part of America (laughs) industrializing and and becoming a superpower, but he did good. Like, I'd have dealt with the vampire problem and kept the rail, because the railroad's good for, for the country. Well, the, I'm just saying he's an American traitor. 
Then we get a shot of a couple of Native Americans piloting a canoe. Yeah. And it's I seemingly... Can, I cannot dispute that. I, <laughs> I cannot dispute what you just said. And then it's, it's seemingly unrelated. <laughs> it happened. Because <laughs> we, we cut to Rain waking up with the, the cowboy who had saved her. And he lets her know that she's she's lucky to be alive. And she's going to be off her feet for a bit. And she asks for blood. And he's confused because none of the vampires he knows can be in daylight or cross water. <sighs> so clearly he knows well enough about vampires. Um, she explains the whole dampier mother being raped, uh, mother raped by a vampire thing. So he opens a vein and puts some blood in her mouth. And she's pretty excited about that. Uh, but complains about how he made a mess all over her face and how she, he could have put it in a cup for her. It's very funny. Yeah. Recovered somewhat, yeah, Rain sets out on the trail with the dude uh, to go find extra help. And this is like the recruitment sequence. Yeah. Like, you think you're going to get... Again, he's seen films where the Avengers assemble... Where the, the team is brought together. Uh, but again, all the introductory scenes, far too long. Mm-hmm. Oh, and God, yes. All Far too long for not that many characters. Um, and nor there are they is worth one it. Who is, they're not, no. no. They're not worth the energy put into establishing them. They, they have one character who, again, in a better film, would be a standout breakout character. But here... He just gets an establishing scene, and then that's about it, really, until until the fight. Yeah. So they, they travel where, to... Where he just fights, really. They, they travel to a church, and Dude... And I'm, gonna keep, I'm just going to keep calling him Dude, because it is... They have not named him. They go... Uh, they, he, gives him a, he gives Rain a poster, a wanted poster, for a man called The Preacher. This man apparently has no name either. He's just known as The Preacher. Yeah. Uh, this preacher is inside the church and giving a sermon full of fire and brimstone. Uh, but it eventually takes a sharp turn into snake oil territory right about the time he starts passing the collection plate. He's basically saying, give all of your money and you can get into heaven. Now, again, as with bold films, competently performed. Well performed. Yeah, I would argue I, well performed. Like this scene, you look at it and you think, oh, shit. This is this is approaching a a, a character. This mm-hmm. is a, this might be a character. I've heard of those from other films. It's a little like, hammed. Like he's, he's, he's a bit yeah. over the top. But yeah. He's doing this sleazy dirty preacher man thing and not doing badly at it. But it doesn't really come up again. <laughs> he's established as a character and then he's established as one of the only characters in the movie. Uh, similar to Piles, the the, the journalist, um, this guy actually has a persona and possibly some motivations beyond oh I know that child, and and then it just doesn't come up. So going through, in fact, hmm? in fact, being a dodgy like like untrustworthy, token evil team member kind of thing, it's it's very well established as a trope, and could have brought something extra to this film, but. He's kind of recruited without question, and then that's it. 
Yeah. Um, as he's going through the collection plate afterwards, he finds the wanted poster. And uh, Rain and, and Dude are still sitting, you know, in the church behind him. And he gives them, they give him three options that they can put wanted posters up all over this town and the townspeople can lynch him or they can hang him themselves or he can join them on their crusade. And, and while it appears that the preacher might attack him, attack them with the derringer he has hidden in his Bible, he quickly agrees when Rain says they're going to kill vampires. And he doesn't give a reason why that's like no. the tipping point for him. He's just like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, vampires are real, and I will kill them. Even though my character before then has set me up as this in-it-for-himself, shiftless, at-best Han Solo-esque character who at some point should go through a, a, a conflicted loyalty arc. He doesn't, by the way. Because <laughs> like I said, this scene is it as far as this character development goes. This is the beginning and the end of, of who this character is. Sleazy Preacher will fight a vampire, and then for the rest of the film, he's just there to fight vampires with everyone else. So this trio travels to the mountains, to a bordello called Jesse Malone's. And once there, Rain takes a tray with a bottle of whiskey from a woman and heads into a room, undresses a bit. Uh, again, keep in mind everything I'm describing it takes painfully longer than the description might imply. So much. So much longer. She ties up her unsuspecting unsuspecting victim and uh, sticks a gun in his mouth. And then he also enthusiastically agrees to fight vampires. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why did they start with all the trickery, with the threats, with the theater of the recruitment of these guys? When apparently you can rock up to anyone in the wild west and just say gonna go shoot vampires you win <laughs> after riding sub they arrive at what i guess is the dude's house because he's got supplies there it's a place where things need to happen they have silver bullets that have been rubbed with garlic and now he's rocking one of those sweet Overkill. brimstone pendants which uh you know rain makes a point of observing and so Preacher gives a prayer at Rain's request, and then she gives a really crappy speech about what they're off about to do. Yeah, something about friendship, probably. Yeah, and, and, and inducts Preacher and, and Slimebag. And this other character's name, that's not, I'm not making, I didn't make that up. The, the guy in the, in, the, in the bordello that they, they recruit. Yeah. His name yeah. is Slimebag. I'm not disputing. Again, I can't dispute that it's happened. <laughs> I just want to make clear. His name is Slimebag. Uh, like, they... a fucking, like a fucking boglin or something. <coughs> uh, um, anyway, he's, they're inducted into uh, Brimstone and get their own pendants because she's just carrying these around. Yeah, apparently she's a recruiter in her off time. As well, like she's just got all these, like you say, all these pendants. She can, well, she's got license to let anyone in. She could be collecting them off the dead, like because everybody that she works with just dies and she just picks them up That's and then moves true. on to the next batch. She's a keen recycler. <laughs> so, in the deliverance saloon, 
the mayor discusses his plan for dealing with Billy, which is to lie to him and say that the train is no longer going to come through the town. <laughs> what? Even Piles knows it's a shit plan. But the mayor's dedicated to it. Uh, Rain's crew rides in and does a slow march through the main street of Deliverance. And the clock strikes high midnight. And everybody reaches for their guns. And it takes fucking forever for anything to happen. Dude calls out Billy the Kid on behalf of Brimstone. Preacher shoots a bottle that starts a fire because movies. And eventually someone shoots from an alley and this crowd of heroes in the streets scatter. They're like, oh shit, that's right, we're in the open and anybody could shoot us. We they have no guns cover. to this gunfight. And then a very slow gunfight follows. That's yeah. It's edited in such a way that it's impossible to determine where anyone is physically in the scene at any given time. It's just a mess. Yeah. Well, I don't think the movie thought about where people were. It's one of those films where people are where they need to be. It's more concerned with who's getting shot at when. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter spacing, who who is where. It, It is just about... Okay, then it cuts back to these people being shot at. Yeah, and that's, and and that's that's one of the things. Like credit where credits due. In a lot of these westerns, uh, there's a very keen awareness of that kind of thing in in western films. Well, it's films. how gunfights work. Right. You, you need to know where people are positioned. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And 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 this not so much. This is a no. a little a little looser. Movie's a bit. It's above that. It's above needing. So the, the, the people watch from the saloon, but dare not go out, except for the saloon keeper's wife, who expresses a desire to go out, but is stopped by the mayor, who is still maintaining his position that it's best to just let these things sort themselves out. Classic political move. Rain wanders off into a building where she follows the sound of crying children, killing a few inconvenient vampires along the way. Uh, but opening to the door, opening the door to the room with the children reveals that they're all in nooses tied to a a weight on a pulley that's connected mm. to the door, while Billy the kid's just chilling out and laughing. As... Like he's had a long time to do nothing. Yeah. Like if I were that bored, I'd set up my own Wild West saw trap as well. <laughs> I love this scene because it's just not only does it. Not only is it a, like, just bad guy being evil and delighting in how evil he is type of scene, mm-hmm. it is just the the cherry of impracticality <laughs> atop this Sunday of shit. Yeah. <laughs> he saw all this shit happening in the street. He's like, all right, all right, all right, okay, I got a rope, got a bunch of nooses, got pulley. We can, yeah, we can make this... This will be fun. This whole fucking thing's been really boring. I need to entertain myself. Yeah. Here's how we're going to do it. Time to spice up my life. God, it's a funny idea. And, <laughs> and, and 
and, and one of those, one of those, uh, you know, as I say, moments of raw brilliance that just. <laughs> uh, and Zach Ward's great at this moment too. Like he's really enjoy. He seems to, he's doing such a great job of playing the vampire, really enjoying himself, and really self satisfied <laughs> with the position yeah. he's put the hero in. He does the smug smite, uh, smug snipe thing well. <laughs> um, Reveling in it. Uh, back in the saloon, Piles expresses his frustration with the townspeople cowering. He's done a one eighty. You know, he's looking at all these brimstone people doing all the fighting. He's like, they're fighting for you, and you're just sitting here hiding. It's a very... Um, Uva Bull has seen a Western, clearly. Yes, yes. Um, just one. Just one. And, and now that he's said something, the mayor does a complete 180. <laughs> it spreads like a virus, does courage. Gives Piles a gun. And then gives the rest of the people in there in the saloon shit, even though he was the one stopping anyone from doing anything <laughs> this whole time. Billy tries to entice Rain into just killing the kids and having a midnight snack with him. Failing that, he offers her a place at his side, ruling the world. Gets... He goes through, you know, he goes through the classic villain offers. Yeah, the 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 villain checklist. The standard packages. <laughs> You got your 401k. You know. Preach, preacher and slime bag follow a vampire into what I <laughs> think is a barn. But it's a trap. And they're targeted by, a, targeted by a bunch of vampires, one of whom has a fucking Gatling gun. Up oh, there. yeah, the Gatling gun. And they really milk this moment before uh, slime bag and preacher turn around and fight anyway. Yeah. Uh, and again, like, like Conrad's blazing through it, but this is so dragged out. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, this this particular pause is... Uh, it, it, for those who watched the last Resident Evil movie uh, along with us, the, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what fucking name it is. doesn't matter. It's the yeah. one that's got it was, Barry. It was the one with the fake cities. It's got Barry. He's got Barry being a badass at the end and doing the standoff showdown, like, all right, it's time to get in there. And that yeah. felt long, but it still felt badass. This is, like, three times that length. Way longer and, and no payoff. No There's payoff. No, oh, that was worth waiting for. Because well, it's Slimebag that gets killed, and he... He and Barry probably have equivalent character development when you consider the amount of time and attention the Resident Evil film gives to Barry. Yeah. It's probably about the same, but I care way more about Barry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is hard to root behind a guy who's been given no characterization. Except that his name is Slimebag. Slimebag. Oh, no, not Slimebag. <laughs> I'll never forget watching it. The first time I saw Slimebag die in Blood Rain 2 deliver The death of Slimebag. I mean, that's up there, right? Yeah. Oh, so Slimebag gets torn open by the Gatling. Preacher's only wounded. Uh, our, our, our friend, the dude, comes with an assist, and Preacher manages to get out into the streets before he is then shot 
himself in the back, just in time for the mayor and Piles to exit the saloon and, and bear witness. The, uh, the mayor bravely threatens the vampire what shot Preacher, only to be shot himself to the horror of Piles. So, you know, now this now heroic mayor, just as quickly as he's come around to his <laughs> point of view, <laughs> is, is killed. Uh, Piles, Which really should just demonstrate the folly of leaving a safe place. Right? Well, Piles <laughs> then immediately goes back into the saloon to berate the townspeople to finally join the fight. Like, I'd have been like, fuck no, not now. <laughs> I was half on board before I saw what just happened. Preacher, in, his last, in a last act of heroism, kills the vampire what shot him using a vampire hidden, or using, I'm sorry, using a knife hidden in his cross. He was hiding a vampire in there. Whoa. Uh, he, no, he has this, like, silver dagger hidden in his cross. It's this big, ridiculous cross that he's holding, too. And why was he holding that? Because Uwe Boll had an idea the night before about a knife being hidden in a giant cross. I, when was this movie made? Mid two thousand. Yeah, I want to say mid two thousand. So it's late enough that he could have seen Trigun, which is a, an anime. He, he, I know of Trigun, but I'm just trying to imagine Uwe Boll watching Trigun. Everything about this character screams Nicholas D. Wolfwood to me. It, 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 right. It's like he saw that character and said, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to put that in my blood rain I too. Still, I still can't get over the idea of a ball watching anime. <laughs> like, like sitting there really engrossed in it. <laughs> this, is, this is excellent. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> this looks better than my films. <laughs> They certainly make more sense. (laughs) Oh my god, that's that's the other thing. Oh my god, the whole sense of continuity. He must have gotten that from Trigon too. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, uh, Piles tries to get everyone to join the fight. Preacher stabs that vampire. Uh, Then he's killed by another vampire. And then that vampire is killed by the salute keeper's wife. So it's just like one after another, back and forth, someone going down. Rain does a, a fancy spin thing in the room with all the kids and the nooses to cut them loose. And then does a fighting with Billy. And it uh, spills out into the street in front of the townspeople. And Billy seems to have won, so he gives a badass monologue on the horror he's about to perpetrate on these people. It's a pretty good monologue for, you know what this movie is. Yeah. Uh, Raiden gets up and challenges him again, and she breaks his knives with her knives, so he draws his guns, and Rain seems screwed again. But sure enough, it's, it's our friend the dude to the rescue with the Gatling gun from the barn, completely shredding Billy, which gets him down long enough for Rain to stake him with a broken shovel handle. The children return to their parents. Piles becomes the sheriff. And and this is this is the big this is the big narrative twist. This is why I brought up the names. Oh yeah. Because this is supposed to be <laughs> the big surprise 
we learned that the the guy I've been calling dude because we've gone to no effort to name him at any point in the film. His name is Garrett, which is to say his name is Pat Garrett, the man who legendarily killed Billy the Kid. <laughs> it's I laugh because you know how proud they were of this. Yes. You know how clever they thought this was. You know the the script probably wrote in the directions. Shit, this is good. Rain says she's heading off to Tombstone to kill more vampires. Oh shit, there's going to be loads there. Like I've heard of that even more than Deliverance. It's probably full of vampires. It's a fun place to go visit, actually. Like it's it's still there. It's it's it, you know tourist trappy a little bit, but on the whole, mm-hmm. pretty historically interesting. Mm. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So she's apparently going to have participated in the uh, gunfight at the OK Corral too. I suppose. Yeah. The implication there, uh, leaving Pat Garrett behind to share wisdom about penises with piles. <laughs> and so now I think this is a nod to John Carpenter's vampires. That the that the film is ending with dick jokes, right? Just like uh, just like that one did. It's probably the only thing Overball took away from it. And roll credits. That's blood rate deliverance. Oh, there you go. Feels like uh, a really short film, doesn't it, it, it folks? Sh- it sure does. It is not. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> All right. So Conrad, did you like Blood Rain Two Deliverance or not? I liked talking about it. Yeah, uh, it's it's more fun to talk about than watch. I, there is a, you I, I, like I, I keep finding things that I think are very clear inspirations that are themselves in a lot of ways you know not particularly original, uh, but have original elements. And it's like he just saw the original elements that were in those, and said, "Oh, okay, I'll nick that. I'll nick that. I'll nick that," <laughs> and my film yeah. will feel original. Um, yeah, it's just a cobbling together of. Cowboy tropes with it, a vamp, like mild vampire mischief. It's it's shot really poorly, mm-hmm. really poorly, and and it's it's a ten million dollar budget, and I just can't, I cannot, I I can't, I cannot see anywhere any aspect of this production that justifies a two million dollar budget, let alone ten. Yeah. Well, I think, as Adam Sandler has demonstrated, when your goal in movies isn't necessarily making good movies, you can find oh, sure. incredible places for the money to go. But I mean, this just feels like this just this just feels like such a flagrant, obvious example of money laundering for some, you know, Eastern European block organized crime. <laughs> uh, that's not my view. I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm no. not saying that's what I'm happened. Sa- I'm just saying that that's what this that's what this feels like. I'm not saying it does that that's have what the feel, happened. Yeah, it does have the feel of a dodgy Ashcan flick that that was made for reasons other than a movie being. I'm just desperately scrabbling for a justification as to how this could happen, <laughs> and that seems like a feasible premise. Um, Blood Rain Two isn't very good. No, it's, like it's, it's not. It's not even worth watching. 
for like a bad movie night. And and it's it's notable too that we didn't even at any point comment on the fact that they they changed that the lead actress in here changed from Christina Loken, I believe it was in the first one, or Christiana Loken. Yeah. To uh, whoever this woman is, whose name I've forgotten. Yeah, the one who she basically looks a bit like Lita from like early two thousands wrestling. Yeah, a little bit, and, and a bit like it's not that far off, but it's it's recognizable that it's not the same actress. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a constant little. Oh, she looks off. Like she's not on a like like I'm not saying she looks like a bad like physically bad. Uh, it's no comment on her appearance. It's just if you remember the first Blood Rain, she looks ever so slightly not right. She looks and it's uh, a little unsettling. She seems more blockish. If that makes yeah, sense. Like I'm I'm not fond of recasts anyway. I they always throw me off. But I think it's the fact that there's just something a bit subtle about this one because Vladrain is not a very established character in these films and has no personality. Um there's just something about that that makes it just subtly unsettling. And they, they try to give her personality in this one. And, and it may very well be that this actress is a better actress than, than Christiana Loken was. Uh, but you can't... She doesn't get enough to work with. No, nobody does. I mean, hell, even Zach Ward doesn't get much. No. He doesn't get much to work with to show off his, his hammy villain. Because this film um, is, is too occupied with having uh, drawn-out periods of silence and and no yes. activity and, and quote-unquote tension, uh, which doesn't... It's, filmmakers, it's not there. Filmmakers lower on the totem pole than Uwe Boll do that a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I watched one this weekend. There's a whole bunch of directors. Umi, Umi Lumel, uh, Len Kabazinski, a um, whole bunch of them where their their whole point is, like, I think they think they're making good movies, but they don't have ideas that support long movies. So it's lots of, here's a murder scene that takes 15 minutes and most of it is someone just, like, preparing their dinner. Or in the case of the, the film we watched this weekend, The Raven by Umi Lamel, um, someone's going to the dentist to have a tooth removed. And I think it was just one of the act- actresses needed to see the dentist. So they thought, fuck it, we'll film it. Because it's something different for our film. So here's 15 minutes of a dental appointment. Oh. Uh, and and Uwebol basically is doing that. He's, he's using the tricks of far lower movie makers than him. Because he's not, compared to some of the stuff out there, co- compared to what you see when you go far enough into Amazon Videos vaults. He's not... He's nowhere near the worst. No. Oh, God, no. No, no. I mean, he gets a really... I I mean, I don't want to say he gets a bad rap. No, he gets a rap he deserves. Yeah. It's just... It's it's a rap of perspective. Other people haven't seen how bad it can get. There is a competence at work, yes. I always... No matter how bad it gets... As far as I'm concerned, it will n- never for me be as bad as the video dead, which is just <laughs> a tremendously, tremendously poor film. And, yeah. uh, and the video dead is, is that kind of lower rung movie mm-hmm. that Uwe Boll has just been emulating now. Like he's not only does he emulate good films and does them badly. He's using the stalling tactics and the I haven't got enough idea wallpapering 
of the video dead and movies of that ilk. Yeah. It's and, and it's yeah, it, it takes a it, it we end up with a movie that doesn't have the terrible sets and shaky cam and you know clearly the director's grandmother is on screen right now. It doesn't have that charm that those really bad movies have. But it still has a lot of those elements. But it has those elements. So it doesn't have the fun of a really shit tier movie. And it doesn't have the quality of a good tier movie. It's just an uber bowl film. (laughs) Just a very distinct nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I... I mean, I'm not... I'm beyond being disappointed by these movies. And uh, this could have been a whole lot worse. There's there are some watchable moments, uh, but it's just it is kind of tragic because he has this stable of of people who seemingly like working with him, who are pretty talented. They're not you know going to be your big budget blockbuster stars. He must pay well. He must pay well as part of the whole tax break thing. He must just give some damn good paychecks out. Yeah, maybe that maybe that is it. I I don't I don't know. He doesn't seem like a pleasant person. Like, everything I've seen of him paints the picture of, of someone who's not good to work with and not good to know. It's got to be money. <laughs> I, it's the only, I can't imagine why Zach Ward and Brendan Fletcher are constantly working with the man. They're both better than those films that they're in. Yeah. They're better. I don't know. I don't know. So what are we doing next time, Jim? That's a good question uh, because I, I forgot to work that out. Did we work it out last time? No. And I've forgotten? No? No. Uh, in that case, we're going to do... Uh, As I bring up the list of movies based on yeah, video games. I'm not going to edit around this either because I'll forget. So I'm just going to make noises until we come up with something. No. This this Wikipedia page is awful. This, this isn't all of the movies. This isn't all of the movies. We could do the second uh, Tomb Raider. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do let's that. Do that. Let's see something quick, with a with a with a competent director and a and and a well known star yes. and yes, yeah. Lara Croft Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life, the two thousand three movie. I have seen so, that before. I don't, but I don't remember whether or not it was any oh. good. It's got twenty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that bodes which, well. <laughs> honestly, it's not the worst. It's not the worst I've seen. That's true. Uh, Alone in the Dark got a 1%, so <laughs> oh. so this is going to be better than that. Yeah. At least 23% better. So that's what we're doing, and thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to hear more of us do podcasts, we do another one. It's called Fist Shark Marketing, and it's at fistshark.com. Uh, alternatively, you can uh, follow Conrad on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman. That's right. I mean, I said alternatively, you can do, but you should do both. Yeah. Really, yeah, I mean, why limit yourself? Scenario. Why? It's not a zero-sum game. Come on, sort your fucking lives out. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>